in the same way that a tomato is a fruit, a pit in the ground <laughs> is also is also a hole. No, tomato is a vegetable. I am going to throw shit at you. <laughs> you are making me so mad on a night where I'm already going to be mad. Are we I recording this? Yes, we've been recording for so long. I hate this argument and I hate this movie. I am so annoyed that they decided to release Wonder Woman instead of just waiting until it could come out in theaters. I mean, it can. Specifically. It is, it is going to technically be in theaters. Oh, so all the dumbasses can go watch it and then die a month later from COVID. I mean. I kind of would almost trade off that to go into a theater again. <laughs> We're watching like a sacrificial lamb. Yeah, I'm annoyed that Wonder Woman is coming out because <laughs> you hate women. No, <laughs> I hate the rest of the you hate DC the idea, extended universe. You hate the idea of women in power, Rick. <laughs> I mean, I'm just remembering that you didn't like Captain Marvel, so. That's because Captain Marvel was a bad movie. Don't start me on this hate train. I'm already annoyed because you're making us go through and do a. A, a freaking what mm, the DC extended universe like marathon leading up to <laughs> hey, Wonder Woman. We're coming not out. doing all of them. We're only doing a couple. Like we we de- we could make this a eight movie epic. Oh, I know no. we're not. Thank God because fuck I, watching Suicide Squad ever right, again. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Do you enjoy any of these movies? Um, Do, or, I'll I'll rephrase it. Do you enjoy the majority of these movies? So let me list out the ones that we are going to do for sure. this series. We're going to first do Man of Steel because we've yeah. never done it for the podcast. We are going to do uh, Batman v Superman for the same reason, and we're mm-hmm. going to do Aquaman. This is not exactly a perfect lead up to Wonder Woman. We could just do the the DC movies that have included Wonder Woman, but we've already done a couple of those for the sure, podcast. Sure, sure. But do we you also enjoy will... the majority of those movies. Uh, of those three, no, not the majority. Okay. I my memory is that I enjoy the movie that we are watching tonight, but it has been a very long time since I've seen it, and I very much soured on the DC movie version of Superman, although I think Henry Cavill is perfect for the part. I agree that Henry Cavill is perfect for it. Before we start talking about the rest of this movie, let's uh, let's do our intro. Hi, I'm Josh. Uh, I'm an analyst here in Nashville, and I already have a migraine tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rick Fox. I am an author here in Nashville, and... No! There's not! All the ones I'm thinking of were from the old Superman Just say your baby looks like Superman. It's cute. (laughs) People can go look at it on Instagram. (laughs) I'm Rick Fox. I'm an author here in Nashville. And I am going to make out with my girlfriend in the middle of a 9-11 city. Like times a thousand. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Damn, dude. Get some priorities. (laughs) I I think he did. (laughs) those Those people aren't getting deader. I got making out to do. Hi, I'm Andreas. I'm an analyst here in Nashville. Son of Durrell, nearly for Zod. And, and we're opinionated. opinionated. And unfortunately, tonight we are watching Man of Steel. Man of Steel came out in 2013. It unsurprisingly has a 56 on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed by Zack Snyder, and it stars Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Michael Shannon, Diane Lane, Russell Crowe, and Lawrence Fishburne, and many others. Once Fishburne is in this, he yeah. is in this. He plays uh, oh. Perry White at the newspaper. Oh, an alien, an alien child is evacuated from his dying world and sent to Earth to live among humans. His peace is threat. Wait, his peace? His peace is threatened. Is that? Oh wait, is that Amy Adams? Is that his peace is threatened? His peace is threatened when other survivors of his home planet 
invade Earth. No, see, that's the point, is that in this movie, it's, uh, oh, Superman's mildly annoyed because his old homies came to Rex shop, even though he's never met him before. <laughs> it's not that he's, like, having to step up and save the day for everyone. It's that, like, ah, oh, they're coming and they're inconveniencing his good time. I would not say that. <laughs> Neither would I, but that's what the IMDb description has told me. It kind of does sound that way. I don't like this movie, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> um <laughs> When was the last time you you watched this movie? I've seen it multiple times. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but I have seen it multiple times. Uh, Rick, you and I generally disagree about a number of heroes in the the DC universe. Right, Batman Um, is lame, Superman's awesome. And I disagree on both (laughs) points. Um, I tend to think that Superman is pretty lame, specifically because my experience with Superman is limited to the very early like original comic book run of Fair him. Enough. Yeah. Uh, because when I was growing up I would go to the library and I would I would check out the giant like you Wait, know, you three mean inch like thick the original original run of Superman? Like back in the, the 40s? first Superman comic I read, he couldn't fly yet. He was wow. still just able to jump real high. Okay. Right? So and, and when I say like the original Superman, right, I right. mean that. I'd go to the library, I'd check out like the three or four inch thick, just compiled, you yeah. know, Whatever you call it, like sure. anthology, antho- sure, the anthology of all of the like, oh, here's like the original run of Superman, right, like, right, the first fifty years or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right, uh, and I'd read those, and so that was the Superman that I was used to, that and also the original Super Friends, okay, right, gotcha, and so Superman was always kind of lame because there wasn't much that stood a threat to him, and the threats that it'd be like, oh no, they tied him up in a metal eye beam, and. Okay, he's inconvenienced, and then when he decides he wants to, he's just now strong enough to break out of that I-beam, and he goes and saves the day, right? And I'm sure that there are compelling stories that have been told with this character where he actually has to come into some conflict. Literally hundreds of them. Almost all of them, in fact. I haven't seen any of those, and so I find Superman kind of lame. That being said... He is still, like, I have an idea of the kind of character he is, Mm -hmm. you know? He's, in my mind, from my experience, he's not a character that's had to deal with a lot of the... He's not a a Spider-Man, right? Where Spider-Man is going out to save the day, and he also has to deal with all of, like, the conflicts that a normal person would usually go through in life. I mean... Give or take. To be fair, that is more of a DC versus Marvel, like ideology in how they tell their stories type of thing like for a long time you could essentially say that you know the heroes of dc just weren't dealing with those kinds of problems as much sure. because that wasn't the way they were writing the characters they were you know but even D- some of the early even some of the early batman that i read he and i know you don't like batman but he at least was like dealing with other things superman has always been like the like he's there to be the shining example and he's he's always going to do the right thing I should clarify. It's actually not that I don't like Batman. I thought that for a very long time, but it that isn't actually the case. I encountered Batman mostly through the 90s comics of Batman and through a couple of the movies where I didn't really feel like the character was interesting because this was, I'm talking like Batman and Robin, like, mm-hmm. you know, those, those That's movies. Fair. Those are not great <laughs> Batman bat, bat nipple Batman. Well, they're, they're great in a certain way, but they are not great uh, <laughs> character studies for, tell you for the him. Fir- the way that I first saw bat nipple Batman? No. I was running around a pool, tripped and sliced my leg open on some metal pool furniture and oh. I had to go to the emergency Ooh. room in the middle of flu season. <laughs> and so I waited in the waiting room for three hours to get some stitches in my leg. Wow. Uh, and so I watched the entirety of that movie. 
I, I watched it about one and a half times because it was just playing on loop okay. in the waiting room. That, that is a special sounds... layer of hell right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that does not seem like something you want to associate with it. But I should say, like, that was my car- experience with the character for a long time. And also, gr- so that was like grumpy asshole Batman. Hmm. I don't like grumpy asshole Batman. Grumpy asshole Batman is just a dickhead in tights, and there's nothing special about him. Like, he literally just has money and is a grumpy dickhead. So but, is there a Batman that you do like? But heroic Batman, when Batman it, like has an actual personality that isn't just like, Robin, I'm, my parents died and I'm angry about it, so I punch people. No, when it's not that guy, when it's like actually a hero who's trying to save the world in the best way that he knows how and like is using his money to make Gotham a better place when he can and also has to fight supervillains, like that guy is really interesting and really fun. Which I bring up because the DC universe is basically like if you just took all of the Justice League characters and made them grumpy asshole Batman. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> and, this is this is not a good and move. That's one of the reasons I don't like this this movie. I don't like Man of Steel because, like I said, Superman's supposed to be like the shining example. Always does good. You right. know, you want all star Superman. Yeah, walks his grandma across the street and then goes to church on Sunday. Kinda. <laughs> like that's this that's the Superman that I'm right, used to. Right. right? Um, and this is like, uh, uh, I'm brooding, and this is my emo phase, Superman. And <laughs> I like, would not ne- uh, my I memory. Listen, I listen my to Evanescence. Memory, <laughs> my memory is that that is not accurate until like the next movie where he's much more broody in that one. That's well, I, that's my memory. The of tone it. of this movie in general, in in comparison, and that's probably just yeah. Zack Snyder. Like yeah, that is just Zack Snyder. Zack, we'll, the way Zack Snyder films makes me assume he wipes his ass with sandpaper. <laughs> like, we're doing we're doing two of the three Zack Snyder like mm-hmm. DC movies, and like not a third is is Aquaman not. Zack Snyder? No, that's no, 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 hmm. no, no. I, I didn't know. It that. has colors. Uh, <laughs> it's still a dog shit movie, sure, but it has sure. colors. But no, yeah, that's that's just sort of the the, the Zack Snyder thing is that mm-hmm. his characters are grumpy and he thinks it makes them mature when actually he's just kind of an idiot child <laughs> and is like, oh, if I make it dark, it's dark. Bah. I have no problem with dark characters. I don't like dark. Mo- well, and, you and- have to have a certain level of emotional maturity to make that work, and Zack Snyder does not. Like you, as a you, as a I creator, agree. maybe I, as a person he does. I but agree. Like as a as a as a creator, no. Sure, I I don't have a problem with with dark characters, mm-hmm. and honestly, I don't have a problem with dark movies. But this isn't the place for it. I don't think. Like eh, I I could see a version of Superman where they are trying to make this idea that he has to deal with being in a real world with a lot of the complications of that that could theoretically work in the hands of a very skilled writer and director. Yeah, that, that's, that's not, not this. That's not that's what not we this. got. No. <laughs> Andres, have you seen this movie? I have not. You've I have never seen, seen this. I've well, seen boy, one, if we hyped it up for you. <laughs> I have seen precisely one Superman movie, and it I don't even think I finished it. Which one was it? I think it was Superman Returns. Is that the one that's with Kevin one. Spacey as Lex Luthor? Yes. I think so. The one nah. where there's like that slow-mo shot of the bullet hitting his yep. eye? Yeah. 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 I've okay. seen most of that one, and then the DVD froze so up. You're gonna, going back. you're going to watch part of the second worst Superman movie, and then the worst Superman, well, no, not the worst. <laughs> the Quest for Peace and the, the third Superman movie are, are also things that exist. <laughs> you're about to watch we, a bad movie. We're about to watch oh, a bad I know. movie, yeah. No, I've, I've heard enough about this, and I'm not... I'm not a Superman fan to begin with. Uh, oh God! Partly I'm because been him the entire damn time. <laughs> I don't have anything against the character. It's just so Superman in most cases is basically invincible. Like unless Kryptonite no! is by. Yeah. No, like, he's not. He is, he is, he is he pretty has much literally unstoppable. been beaten to death. Yeah, and then he came back. 
Yeah. He, he was beaten into into a rege- regenerative okay. slumber. You want to talk about invincible heroes? Batman is a normal guy. He doesn't have any superpowers, but he comes back from fighting supervillains every fucking week. No. No. What no. I'm trying to say yes. is yeah. the stakes with Superman are very low. Mm-hmm. And the way yeah. the way most other like superhero movies get around this is by having the stakes for everything else be higher. Like the people he cares about, some uh side story that's going on. Like there's mm-hmm. something in there so that's right at now. stake. I'm so mad. And right <laughs> you I pick this movie, you can yeah. defend it until you die. I will. <laughs> even I, though I don't even like this movie that much, I don't think. Continue, Andreas. All right. I will agree with everything you say. <laughs> Thank you. I don't say Josh get... is an asshole. No. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> He's not an asshole. Go on, He's go a on. jackass. Go on. There's a difference. I agree. <laughs> no, I don't get that out of Superman movies or any of the media with him. I don't care enough about anyone else in the uh, universe. I don't care enough about his family, his love interest, or his uh, potential finding out who his uh, secret identity is. It The stakes aren't there for me to get invested in it. What other than movie-wise, what is your experience with the character out of curiosity? Um... Bits and pieces here and there from a few different uh, sources, like video games. I read a couple of comics, um, but uh, just like, Smallville, which, in hindsight, eh. I never watched that Smallville. Smallville it's so. okay for its time. It was good, but yeah, yeah that's not okay. What we're so about you're now. like you you aren't like super like you aren't like, like huge DC fan and like you have to deal with Superman all the time. You just like you um, just know the character mostly through cultural osmosis, like through cultural osmosis mm-hmm. and okay. the few things I've seen him in and. As far as DC goes, it's really just Batman for me. I don't really care about any other superheroes. Oh, so fucking lame. Anyway. He's not the best, oh, but... Okay, but before we go upstairs... Yes. You should say one thing. What's you should that? say that the cube rule of food is correct so that Josh has to agree with it. I 100% agree with that. Uh, the cube uh, rule of food is correct. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, with, I retract my statement about agreeing with you, Andres. Uh, so you are an asshole. <laughs> I retract my retraction. I agree with you. So the cube theory of food is correct. Anyway, speaking of pedantic assholes, uh, Rick's released a book on Amazon. It's it is called, one of the most accurate it's called, descriptions ever. It's called, it's called Fate's Pawn, and it's available in e-reader and paperback forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick, uh, how many invincible characters that really have no stakes are in your book? Uh, none. I don't have Batman in it. Superman. <laughs> well, Rick, I'm glad that you have good characters in your book. Me too. Uh, give it a little description. I do have some pedantic assholes in there, so you know that, you can that, have that. is nice. That is nice. Um, <laughs> right, what you know is what they say. <laughs> uh, guys, uh, despite our kind of shitty sell for his book in this episode, uh, Rick's book is a lot of fun. Definitely go check that out. It's available on Amazon. Uh, additionally, if you enjoy the podcast and want to help support us, our Patreon is live. That's patreon.com slash opinionated. We've released all sorts of extra content there and we'll continue to do so in the future. Uh, we've got a bunch of old episodes from back when we could go to theaters. We've got some uh, tabletop role-playing game episodes out there. Uh, speaking of the DC Extended Universe, we've also got Birds of... Uh, is it Birds of Prey that's Birds released Prey. on there? Yep. We've got Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, and I think we're going to go do a rewatch of the original Wonder Woman as yep, well. because we have done that episode before. You can find it in our archives, but that was back very close to the beginning of the podcast. And yeah. so since we so- have such a different cast now... I thought it would be we thought it would be a good idea that mm-hmm. we rewatch that and you know, give us give us updated thoughts on it. So if you want to go check those out, or, or even if you just want to help support us, uh, definitely head over to Patreon.com/slash/Opinionated. Guys, we're going to be back in just a minute after we're finished watching Man of Steel. 
you will give the people an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. I agree that I am glad. Uh, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> um, Honestly, like it wasn't a good movie, but it is not as bad as I was expecting it to be. Yeah, it's not Justice League bad. It's not Batman versus Superman bad. That mm. movie is confused in its storytelling, but there are pieces of a good movie in. Oh there. yeah, I think honestly, uh, Man of Steel with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With just better editing and a better director and a better this... story, <laughs> a better. I think actually, I would say a better script because I think mm. that Zack Snyder, for all of his flaws as a storyteller, I do think he is a a excellent director in terms of visual. Mm. If he has a strong in story to way. work from, everything I mean, he does is ex- extremely well crafted visually he can tell a visual story very well it's very it tends to be very like maybe from like color not shot colorful. composition yeah but like that, mo- that movie is draining on the eyes to watch just because of how boring how boring the things are, are to look at i think yeah. the colors not, not necessarily think... like the shots that happen but like the colors specifically make it make it just a bore to watch I'll, I'll give you the colors for sure i do think that this this movie needs a brighter palette but in terms of shot composition in the terms of the way he sets up his visual shots and the way he did the action between these characters i think that he did a a really good job and i think that had he had a stronger story to work from it would be a much much better movie like i, I don't think that Zack Snyder is a good writer. He doesn't understand no. character. He doesn't no. understand how to do how to tell a story, but he understands how to show a story. That's why 300 really put him on the map. He had a roadmap to work from and basically something that was already storyboarded for him. Mm-hmm. And so he just had to go through those beats. It's why Watchmen for all of its faults, it's a in a lot of ways a very faithful transfer of that story. Like you there's there's definitely things that are not faithful <laughs> in that, but yeah. there are a lot of things that like are almost one for one shots of that comic book. And I think that when it comes to translating something that someone else has done the story beats for to a movie format, Zack Snyder is extremely talented and can do something amazing. It's when he has to tell the story himself that it becomes apparent that he doesn't understand how characters work or how to do story. Did he write this too? Uh, he and I think his name is something Goyer. Uh, he's David the guy he who wrote it. He's, yeah. the, he's the guy who wrote. I I want to say the Batman. Like he worked with Christopher Nolan on the Batman Begins. Gotcha. Uh, that that trilogy, and I think that that kind of tells you how much of that trilogy was really Nolan and not Goyer because like I don't I don't the stuff that I've seen of Goyer I don't think he has a strong grasp of these characters for sure like I I think that is the other big problem of the movie is that it is very confused in what it wants to do with Superman um Superman is a character like he's hard to write in a way that is 
grabbing because of the issues that you guys brought up of the character early. Like I do agree that it is very easy to write Superman in a boring way. Mm-hmm. The 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 most interesting the most interesting time stories that I've seen with Superman in in them are ones where there are other people around him who like like when he's paired up with Wonder Woman who is very much like yeah I'll kill a bitch like I'm an Amazon <laughs> like yeah that's what we do like you, you you did wrong cool off with your head and Superman's like idealism mm-hmm. clashes with that and so he's I I those are the interesting stories to me where he where the character that I know from him at least right it, he stays true to but that comes into conflict with the other people around him who are on his side you need that strong sense of who Superman is to to make his character work. And I feel like in this movie, it's very much about Superman finding out who he is. I mean, I think it wants to be. Right. That, but, that's what they're trying to tell us. But Zack Snyder doesn't understand Superman, like, at all. I don't think that he, he has a firm grasp on the character in any sense. Like, I think that Superman as a character, the idealism of that character and all that clashes strongly with what Zack Snyder as a director is interested. I think Zack Snyder could probably do a pretty interesting Batman movie if he sure. tried to do that. Because Batman is very much in that uh, Ayn Rand Superman type of character that he wants to do. Someone who is very much a um, person who realizes his own ideals and tries to live up to him. You can make that work with Batman in a way that just does not fit Superman at all. He did and, work on Batman v Superman, right? I'm not. I mean, he's the director for that. Okay, yeah. I, like I thought so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I yeah. I can't compare his Batman, so I. I, I no think idea. I think Ben Affleck and the Batman that he plays in that movie is a much more, a much better understanding of the hmm. character than the Superman is, and we'll we'll talk about that more next week when, when we, we talk there. about that. Yeah. but like, I think that. Uh, Zack Snyder just is not interested in telling a character that is like what Superman is when Superman is at his best. He he wants a Superman that is is morally compromised and that essentially breaks the character. And I think you can tell that in the way that he drops all of the religious uh, nods towards Jesus. They're just facts that he puts in the movie or like him putting his arms out. There's nothing about this character that really fits with anything that resembles Jesus from a thematic level. It it just it doesn't work. Like the, his his understanding of of I Jesus mean, as a he's, he you know he grows up and then like he like gets in contact with the spirit of his father who reveals like his ultimate purpose for being on earth. Right. Like, there are direct one to one references, but what does that tell you about Clark? That he's he's the Jesus symbol for the exactly. Movie. That's all it is. It's yeah. it is as though he just was like, okay, if I write Jesus on his chest, so you see it every time he's there, it counts as theming, right? Oh, what's the? Is that an S? Nah, in my in my culture, this is a cross. <laughs> yeah, exactly. the The thing is, if you're gonna do something like that, you need to do something with it. You can't just just like use tropes or. Symbols or ideas that are associated with Jesus. You can't just have him be 33 for no goddamn reason, except Jesus was 33 when he started his ministry. Like it, it doesn't work that way. You need to be saying something about the character and how he interacts with the world if you want to do that. You need to be showing how Superman is redeeming humanity as a race. You need to show him 
interacting with humanity and then humanity having this sense of hope just by the existence of Superman and that connects the two on a thematic level that would make it work. Especially with the whole like oh the, the S on my chest stands for hope. And exactly. Like, yeah. that. But re- what, what you get in this movie is no kidding. Yeah. But what you get in this movie is humanity constantly beating down Superman and him having to just bear the brunt of it. Which could work. That also could work because that is also very much a part of the Jesus story but it doesn't feel like it is Superman accepting that harassment and that that difficulty in order to bring something forth from humanity that he knows he can and he is strong enough to deal with all of that abuse and take it and then show humanity a better way. I just hate the way it's all set up. Like from from the very beginning. What, what I hate I hate Pock Pock Kent in this movie. I forgot Superman's last name for a minute. I, I hate Pa Kent in this movie. Because, like, I understand the idea of what he's trying to, like, he... What, what do you think the idea is? I think the idea is that he's... He's trying to get Clark to think beyond just the immediate need and to see the bigger picture as a whole. I think that's a part of it. But to me, the idea that I see in what is in a very confused, poorly put together way, attempted to be shown by Paw Kent is that Paw Kent understands what Clark means in a larger context. And he understands that Clark does not automatically have to accept that sure. burden. Clark could live his life as a normal human being, never show who he is, and would not have to deal with the the abuse that we were just talking about, with all the, the difficulty and the responsibility that w- exists if he takes on this role as Superman, essentially. I and think I think that that would be a fascinating idea for Pawkent to hmm. contrast with the way that Jor-El sees Superman going there. Because I think that there's a cool potential there of having these two be at odds with each other in the philosophies of how they see see Clark and both of them to see a part of who this character should be and what he can be because Jor-El the thing that he says when he's when uh Laura's like what what do we do if, if when he sends them there they'll they'll hate him they'll kill him for nah, what he is he'll be and a he's, god to them and he says mm. no what are they gonna do he's a he'll be a god they can't do shit to him because he's fucking superman but that is dumb a, that he knows that. <laughs> I mean, it is dumb, but with the idea itself of no, he can he can be something more than humanity. He be, and because he has this power, he can be something to show them the way. Something like from the the original Superman movie that that had a much better Jor-El that was much better at leading Clark to a better place. But mm-hmm. you've got that side of it where he can see Clark as the godlike figure that Superman is in a lot of ways. Whereas Pa Kent can see Superman in terms of the human that he is. And there's a interesting way that both of those views are flawed because Clark as a individual is both human and more than human in a lot of ways. My problem yeah. is that I feel like those roles should be reversed because Clark Kent because Superman doesn't meet up with his Kryptonian dad until he's in his mid twenties or whatever. Like he needs the foundation of like who he is to come from his Earth parents. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, Pa Kent should d- deliver the the humanity to the character. Like, he should be looking at... He looks at, at Clark and sees the baby whose ass he wiped at one point. That is a very different version than my son will be a god among these people. And I think that you can have have Jor-El see the potential for him to lead these people as a as a person who can show them the way to be the best 
best that they could possibly be, but that excludes the humanity of Clark as a human being. He's looking at Superman, he's not looking at Clark, whereas Pa Kent should be looking at Clark, not at Superman. But the way that this movie does it is so confused that it well, never it, comes together or works at all in any coherent and it feel, way. And it feels like all of the like pep talks that Pa Kent gives Clark. They're not pep talks. They're they're the opposite of pep talks. I know. It's like instilling like a fear of of who he is intentionally. In him. Intentionally. I think that is the direction he is wanting to go of he is wanting Clark to have this opportunity to say, "No, I'm not going to be Superman. I'm going to be a normal human being. I'm not going to deal with the weight of responsibility that being at least at this point in the cinematic universe, the only super being that exists in this world." I still just I think don't it's shitty that see that coming across though. It I doesn't see, come across at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm no. digging for what yeah. I think they are trying to go for. What I see when I watch this movie is uh, Paul Kent basically saying, "No, don't do any of that." Just be yes. a normal Clark human being asks, entirely. Clark, Clark asks, should I have let all of my schoolmates die? And Pa goes, I mean, maybe. Because <laughs> because Kent, in theory, like the way that you make that scene work is you make it clear that you understand that Pa Kent knows that 14-year-old Clark Kent is not ready for the burden of being the only alien on this planet and a being that has superpowers in a world where that has never existed before. That is a terrifying amount of responsibility and like the way that the world would react to that to put on a 14-year-old boy. So if you make that side of it work, it could work really well. But what it sure. comes it's across is, yeah, maybe, get, though. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I'm, what I'm saying is, the I thing know, that we I, get I'm, is, I'm saying that I have problems with bullshit. the movie here, and you're saying like, yeah, but if they change these things, it could have been an interesting story beat. And I'm like, sure, but I'm pissed at the movie we got. Yeah. I like the idea I see in there in theory. The execution is dog shit. You like the diamond in the rough. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. I, I like Superman as a character. I'm fascinated by that idea. I think that he is he is a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun with that character as a beacon of hope. And seeing him have to struggle with whether or not he wants to become that is an interesting idea. But instead, what you get is a scene that makes it sound like Pa Kent is like, yeah, maybe you should let some kids die for no reason that I'm yeah. ex ex expressing clearly. You could make it work you, and it you would be could. great. You he could, did but not. I'm, yes, there are interesting stories that you can tell with Superman, mm -hmm. and there, there are, there are, there could have been interesting stories you could have told here with this, Superman. This, this story, could have been an interesting story, right? That's but what it I'm wasn't. For. And I'm, and I'm annoyed by both of his dads. I'm annoyed <laughs> by Jor El and by Pa Kent. What makes so, you annoyed with Jor El? I think that, that that he's there. That he gives us like twenty minutes of exposition twice. That is like that is the big problem of of Jor El is that he is mostly exposition. If you if you watch all, the, he's all exposition. If you watch the original, well, okay, here's the thing. If you watch the original Superman movie, Jor El is largely exposition there too, but he is exposition towards a purpose. He's not just saying, okay, this is what we were. This is how it worked. This is blah blah blah. He's not just giving you fat. He's not giving you the Wikipedia of the backstory. That's what's of happening. Here, along along with a nanobot slideshow in the background. Exactly. <laughs> he is giving you that information in in some more subtle ways, but he is also saying like and you as you Clark Kent, you this character, this person, this is what you could be. He's giving you an insight into who he sees Clark as and the way that Clark reacts to that insight tells you more about who Clark is how, in the original does, Superman do, movie. Okay, how about in this movie? In this movie, it's an exposition dump. And it's not nearly as interesting or fun. It's an exposition dump and an excuse for Superman to get his fully, like, oh, it's already Supermanified 
like super Krypton suit, suit. right? Yeah. And like that, I think that in a lot of ways that is sort of also also the Superman like Krypton suit, the one with the red cape that's blue, yeah. like you know the classic Superman suit. Yeah, he finds it on a twenty thousand year old like. L- land, like yeah, it's, it's the yeah. ship that was supposed yeah, the, to be there to like the, terraform the, and stuff. The, no, the, no, the Kryptonians were. It was a scouting a, ship. Yeah, it was. A, it was not the terraforming one. It was just sure, a scouting but it, ship. But it was a scouting ship. Why did they have the hope suit on the scouting ship? Because the hope suit, the hope symbol, is the symbol of Jor El's house. Like that's the Jor El family symbol. And it was his family's. Uh, that's the family that went yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like or, well, Jor El's personal. It's not the Jor El. It's not the Jor El. Yeah. It's the El family symbol. Yeah. Sure. It's their crest. It's why, like, like Zod has his own symbol, mm-hmm. and it's a different. If it's, it's a different thing, that's the Zod. Yeah. Thing. Okay. Uh, also, another reason that I'm annoyed by the whole Jor El bit is just because, like, the whole Kryptonian, like, what we see in this movie mm-hmm. again, because I'm not talking about any of the other like extended Superman universe that's sure, out there. Yeah. I'm talking about in this movie. Man, the Kryptonian culture that we see is just stupid. It like doesn't the whole make like any sense we, at all. we hatch babies from pods and we've got That's not a problem for me. And it's got, the execution like, of all that and the fact that the more you think about it you go, why the fuck did they all just stay on their planet? They were once a yep, like yep, galaxy spanning people like they easily had at some point the capability to leave Krypton and it's not clear why they can't do it again the initial thought I had on that is that they went out to try to find other life uh, like other life bank planets and my first thought was, oh well, maybe they just failed and they can't find any. But then they knew about Earth. Yeah, no, they they, and they just didn't go. Yeah, they, they knew about Earth, and not only that, but they had like a whole like because they do the whole classic. Oh, we're hatching babies from pods and we're programming them. So here's our librarians and here's our conqueror guys. Right, and over here is our people, McDonald's workers. Right, bred like they're to be they're bred specific. for specific roles, yeah. and and Zod was part of the warrior conqueror tribe or sure. whatever. Right. They've got a whole slew of people whose whole job is to go out and conquer worlds. This is a thing that their culture does, is we go out and we conquer worlds. Yep. We've got giant terraformer machines because this is a regular thing that we do. So the weir- There should be plenty of other terra- pre-terraformed Krypton planets out there. That's what's what's very confusing, is that there is a line where uh, Jor-El is like, and then we started doing this thing with the babies where we... Because of we, overpopulation. I, it wasn't even overpopulation. He, he, say, say, he said there was like a mandatory like birth control That's, that's what he said. He, there was nothing about overpopulation. They don't explain why they started doing this population limitation thing, which and, and, it doesn't make any sense. And they sense. don't explain and why then, they don't leave the planet. And they don't well, explain no, no, why... This is, this is the crazy thing. They go f- directly from... We started a mandatory child limit thing, which there could be a reason for. That mm-hmm. could make sense mm-hmm. if you gave a reason for it. But sure. he just goes, we did that, and then <laughs> things, shit got real. For, yada, yada, yada. And then we used up Krypton's and natural then we mined, resources. And then we mined Krypton's core, and then we blew up. Yeah. And it, there's, no, there's no reason for them there's to- There's no like, trail of logic that goes yeah. through exactly. that. It's just, they never explain a single why. They're just like, we did this, we did that, and then also that the whole, happened. Also, but, but also why? specifically, so-, so the movie starts with this whole scene on Krypton, mm-hmm. and Zod and Zod and Zod's crew show up, and they're like, "Ah, Council of High Elders, y'all suck. You doomed us." Council, and- Council of Dick Elders. Let's be pretty real. much <laughs> like, "Bang, bang, bang! You're all dead. I'm supreme leader now. Uh, I'm gonna try and save our well, race. That no, cool with everybody?" I mean, that's not really what happened. He tried to take over and tried to go bang, 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 but then they were all like, "Nah, bruh." And then no, they he, kicked he, his he ass. killed the elders that were still on Krypton, right? He ki- well, he killed a like he, he killed, killed some few. people in that room, but that he did room. not kill yeah. all of them because at the end, sure, sure, sure. the rest of the elders are like, and "Hey, then, bro, we're sending you up in these dick ships yeah, to get and out then of Jor-El's here." Yeah, Jor-El's like, "Nah, you can't do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna save the Codex and my son and all that." 
they leave the planet and go up to space in their ship so that they can sentence Zod, right? Because no, that... no, they're not in, the, in space. They're still on their like little. Yeah, they're still on the planet. They're still on their planet. Yeah. Yeah. They, but I thought they were in space when they no. shot them up in the dick ships. Mm. No. Okay. No, you can see the planet you know, like very they're clearly in a on the we- ground. Like weird here's ship a, type here's an idea. Thing, here's an idea. In, so in the they can space. they can shoot Zod and crew up into space in the dick ships, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Why not put everybody in a dick ship and send it up with just a shorter timer? So, like, hey, the planet's about to blow up. We can create dick ships out of nothing and send y'all up to space where you'll be safe. And it's got like a two-day timer on it. So, Literally anyone except for the murderous convicts that they just convicted. Mm-hmm. Here, mm-hmm. You're, sen- you're sentenced to the space death sentence, <laughs> except by that we mean you get to go up and not be exploded by the planet, yeah. which we all know is happening, it's like, by the way. Why bother trying to execute them? You know the planet's about to explode. Beyond all of this, this this is my big problem with the entire like 20 to like 30 minute scene, like opening with Jor-El and all of this. It's boring. I don't think it's that boring. Like as a short film, mm. like if you just showed me this of like, okay, yeah, that that's that's fine. I'd be I'd be down it, for it. It's it's it, it, it's the an problem, hour and forty five minutes into the movie before we see the Superman do Superman shit. That I have with that. There, I mean, that's like true of like Godzilla movies, and I don't mind that from there. It's not an issue of of the time. It's that the time is not well used, and this is why this time on Krypton is not well used. It doesn't tell us anything particularly meaningful about Krypton as a people. The only things we know is they are doing this baby thing for no goddamn reason at all that we can tell. And Zod is kind of a dick. And these are things that you don't need like 30 minutes of exposition to do. We all know how this this story plays out. It does not meaningfully inform Clark as a character. It doesn't tell us anything particularly interesting about Jor-El. It is all information that literally everyone knows. It doesn't even meaningfully like impact Zod as a character. Exactly. Because that's the other thing it could have done. It it could have been like, hey, that really doesn't matter for Superman, but man, we're really stepping up with a villain Zod is. And the the most we get, because realistically it's like, hey... Council of Elders, you have doomed our entire race despite like all of the warnings our scientists gave you. I'm now putting myself in control to like try and save us. It's like, okay, you know, it's and a you, coup, you, but we you get could, it. The yeah. way that you could make that work really well is have Jor-El and Zod working together because Jor-El, we all know Superman's dad is not a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. And even people, I think that most people are, well, maybe not most people, a lot of people are that are going to watch a Superman movie know who Zod is as a character. They know him from the Superman 2, that's the most famous Superman movie, and he's a fairly well-known villain within um, Superman comics. So, like, a lot of people will go, okay, Zod, he's a bad guy, definitely. But if you have those two working together and you make them friends, and then at the end, like, they're still kind of working together, and, you know, Jor-El is sending uh, Kal-El off the planet, and Zod's last thing is getting sent into the Phantom Zone because he couldn't save his people that could all really inform where he's coming from when he comes to earth also to, like, also then screw it crypto form it i guess m- mirror that when zod comes to earth yeah let, let him come to earth and superman's like yo some of my some of my own race and or, then they get all home buddy yeah. buddy and they're friends and he's like showing them around earth for a bit and then he's like cool well we're gonna start terraforming and superman's like huh wait what <laughs> <We're>, yeah <laughs> we have to kill all these humans so that we can make way for our kryptonian race what do you mean like that's not cool Nah, you'll love it. And then, like, it comes down, like, and, like, starts blowing up the earth and shit. And then <laughs> Superman's like, no. And it mirrors what happened with his dad earlier in the and movie. And that's what I mean when I talk about how Zack Snyder doesn't understand how to make a character. Because there there is a lot of conflict between what's going on throughout this entire thing, obviously. But it's not interesting conflict. It is the most baseline, okay, I'm going to do this. 
because I'm the bad guy and it's the obvious bad guy thing to do. Well, Rick, he's evolved past a sense of morality. Oh, God. Uh, I hate that line. I hate, line. That, I hate line. that line. Especially okay. because it's so clear that the villains have their own yeah. like, sense of moral code. I yeah, mean, like they're and, required and just to well, cooperate. They're like, these are the good things that we want to happen. Extending our Krypton race, good. Other things, bad. Like, they have their own system of right and wrong. I guess. They've not evolved past morality. I guess. It's it's not... It's I just can that see, their morals don't line up with ours. I can see how you could it, you could call what they're doing something that lacks morality. It's a they are, line. It is a dumb line, but you could make it work. Again, that is something that you could do to contrast... Okay, the idea. Why are you the idea? Let me so finish hard. my move, my thought, dude. dude. The idea of Superman is that he is the most moral being. Like he is the the pinnacle of what humanity could be on every level, including the moral. Having him go up against people that have his powers, specifically without any sort of morality at all, just going by their own selfish desires, is an interesting contrast. You could make that work. That works mm. when you just have it be ah. I'm a bitchy bitch, and I'm going to kick you around, and I'm going to be like, your sense of morality is what holds you back, even though what has been holding him back is the fact that she is kicking his ass. That doesn't work. It's not that 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 uh, Clark has shown any sense of morality that it has led him to be losing this fight at this point. It's the fact that he's just fighting someone that is on his own level for the first time in his entire life. Like, none of that... Again... Freaking Zack Snyder doesn't know how to write a story. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just putting pretty pictures or what he thinks are pretty interesting pictures on the screen. And that's it. So you touched on something that, that I thought was interesting. You mentioned Superman's supposed to be like the high bar of morality, like yeah. perfect morality that everyone should aspire towards. Sure. And you compared that against somebody with no morality. Right. Which is what uh, this one character whose name I don't know. Uh, oh, what is did, his name? I don't know. Shit. It popped up briefly when we paused girl the movie. Girl Kry Kryptonian. Sure. Because um, he's the only girl Kryptonian. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. She, she mentioned, you know, we've moved on past morality, and we've discussed, like, they clearly right. haven't. They have morality. It's just a separate one. And that is what bugs me about that line, because I would have way more interest in watching a Superman movie where Superman goes against somebody with a different sense of morality and right. then has to see, okay... You're so, wrong in these aspects, but these aspects you're right in, and we need to uh, rectify that. Like, uh, so, so if you think about it, what Zod and Superman in this movie are doing yeah. are fundamentally the same thing. Because yeah. Superman is trying to save his people, humanity. Yeah. Zod, Zod is, is trying, trying to create to a world. Yeah, he's trying to save save Kryptonians. The reason that this doesn't work is that it doesn't feel that way at all. Yeah. It feels like it is just... Zod's a bad guy. He's doing exactly. the bad guy thing. And that's what's disappointing because it's way more interesting when you have two opposing forces that have something in common that mm -hmm. they're working towards, but they're doing it in different ways. Right. And th if they had actually focused on that for this conflict, I would be way more engaged with it. But instead, it's just like, oh, we have no morality, so we're going to do evil for evil's sake. And it's that, like, no, that's dumb. And that's the thing, is that the the way that Superman works and the way that he's presented in this movie, he would be interested, theoretically, at the beginning of it, in preserving the Kryptonians. Mm. Like, that is not something that he would necessarily stand against. It's just the fact that they're like, okay, we're going to- show it's shown him being interested in, like, uh, like, he comes back and talks to Ma Kent, and he's like, I found it. I found my people. Yeah, and exactly. Like, he's excited to 
understand more about where he's coming from. Exactly. And they established that. Right. But it when he finds out, there isn't like a sense of disgust about Zod because he finds out that the Kryptonians were mass making babies or something. They're just dicks that are trying to blow up his his planet. And that is such a large conflict that it's not interesting. Like there's not mm. a conversation where they sit down and they're like, hey, why don't we try to figure out a way to make this work where both of us are? Nah, fuck that. They're just ra- random dirt people. Although, why do we although, care about humans? Although to be fair, it's like I don't, like the whole idea that they have to terraform is like they they do understand that currently without terraforming they get god powers and that once that they terraform they don't get the god powers. No, they still would. Why? Because what they're doing the the reason that they get powers is from the sun. Nah, but as soon but once uh, Clark Kent went into their ship, he was still getting the light from the that's, sun. But they had their Krypton atmosphere. So that's because he hasn't adjusted to their atmosphere. atmosphere. That's different. Like it's it's. They would not be resistant, or they wouldn't be bothered by kryptonite, I don't think, is what they're trying to say, essentially, because they are used to that from their plant, from growing up on their planet. It's not clear. It's not, it's clear. not clear at all, but yeah. I, but they wouldn't be, they would still be getting the powers. That that's comes from the sun. It wouldn't, it wouldn't block that there's out. There's no need for them to terraform. Like, that I agree like, with. Once they've gotten they used to it for a minute, the they, they can breathe now, and yeah. they're cool. They have it takes trouble. Them a minute. Yeah, it takes some. It takes some time, but they. Yeah, they do have. There, there's like with six it. people on this ship that yeah. comes down to Earth. It takes them maybe half an hour to get used to it. And, and at that point, they're like, "Okay, ouch, that was a painful half hour. Now we're good. We can start hatching yeah. babies." It's and basically the no opposite of what Zod them, says. Like, there's no need for them to terraform the Earth. And this and this is what could be a really interesting thing is that. If they're not willing to even put up with that level of inconvenience, they're just like, no, we're just going to wipe out this this bunch of monkeys that are living on this planet. What do we care about them? When basically Kryptonians are not different in any meaningful way from humans, hmm. except that they get powers from the sun if they're there. Like that, <laughs> that is not meaningful at all. No, I mean like in terms no, of like, I know, I know, yeah, I know. like in terms of sentient beings, like right. it, you just take a, a Kryptonian. They're, they're not and, the praying mantis people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 In fact, I don't. Have they shown any difference whatsoever between Kryptonians and humans, other than the whole yellow no. sun power thing? Nope. Same intelligence, seems like Wait, you, basic do you physiology. Mean in, do you mean in this movie or in like, in, like in I mean like all of the lore? I'm sure there. I'm sure there are in in comics. Like in yeah. a bunch they have of ways, three kidneys like, instead of two. I'm sure there's stuff like that. I don't, I, I don't. I'm not familiar enough to know specifically the answer to that. But in this movie, no. It, yeah. And that's the important thing is that in this movie, they're just people. Like yeah. and but they're not people. They're just dickheads. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Okay. And and that's a problem that I have with a lot of this movie is that it seems like they they're they're trying to do cool things that when you sit and think about it for more than a second it's like it it, it doesn't make sense and and honestly some of the cool things I feel fall flat for me too like like the final fight scene between Zod and Superman mm-hmm. a a impactful moment in the movie where I actually notice myself like getting goosebumps mm. is when Superman has to save the day at the last minute and destroy like the terraform machine yeah. and he and it's got like the super powerful energy beam that's shooting down yeah. and he's kind of yeah. underneath he's it. working his way to stand and up he, and, and then he flies like, up to and it and he kind of like balls his fist and he like just flies through it and I was like oh the music in that and and uh, Henry Cavill's acting in that and the way that it was shot like the colors in it as you see like his little streak of red cape as he's flying up through like that white beam I'm like oh this is awesome hmm. and I got nothing even close to that with him fighting zod him fighting zod it was it was cool for the first minute and then it became like okay it's just a bunch of gray buildings and gray rubble that they're fighting and that's visually none of this is interesting it reminds me like watching a cutscene in a video game like i have no interest in this and it doesn't even look 
It, it looks like two video game characters punching each other. This is the thing. There is a very easy way to make very interesting stakes between these two characters in this scene. Hmm. Okay, so Zod has just arrived here. He hasn't sure. been here for 33 years like like Superman. So what you do is you have Zod be the clear weaker of the two, mm-hmm. but still, you know, he's like compared to a normal human, he's a god. Like yeah. he can still fly and he do all the give Superman a shit. About shit. Anybody yeah. else. That's the thing. Superman stronger, but Superman is in the middle of a gigantic populated city mm-hmm. and it's Superman, he wants to save every life in in the entire city. The hostage yeah. situation where the hostage is the whole city. Where the hostage, yeah, and the guy it doesn't have a gun to them. He's flying around smashing his way through buildings, tr- doing a 9-11 every two seconds, and, and Superman is trying to prevent that. And but Superman's that's not trying what to it fight feels- him while simultaneously save the citizens. Which is and not that's what it problem. feels like. That's not what it feels like at all, because we get and, and it would be one thing if it's like oh, we're sitting around here joking now, and like, oh man, there sure were a lot of people in there, but we didn't actually see any. But no, in the movie, shot after shot, it shows them flying through buildings, and there being people directly under the falling buildings. Right. Yep. Or they crash into an office building, and there's people at the desks in right. the office or and granted like you dummies get into the subways or something but it doesn't but feel still, like superman is paying any it, attention yeah, it to that it doesn't feel like he cares at all for exactly. the people he's yeah. supposed to be saving exactly and it should that that is a easy way to make there instantly be a ton of stakes to this fight but there just aren't and so when it finally crashes into him like smashing into this subway station and Zod is for whatever reason his eyes are frozen directly forward. He can't like look slightly to the left to yeah, burn these people yeah, up. Cause, yeah, because like Superman's holding his head, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not how eyes work, right? Like, exactly. Yeah, I can, like if my head's pointing perfectly north, I can still <laughs> well, look. No, hang on, we don't know or northwest. We don't know a whole lot about Krypton physio- physiology. Maybe they do have yes, eyes like do, an owl because <laughs> Superman's got Krypton physiology and he can wiggle his eyes. And mm. okay, so but like that scene suddenly Superman gives a shit about the people that are being hurt by this fight. And that does, just rings so hollow in the face of because all the people. Because he hasn't cared before. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so on top of that, when you have Zod kill, or when you have Superman kill Zod, right? Like that should feel like a, oh God, Superman murdered someone. Because Superman doesn't kill people. Like even his villains, he doesn't kill them. Uh, that's part of a comic book thing, because like when Superman first like was originally created, he totally killed people. But like in in you know the Superman, the character that he has evolved to be, the one that we are all familiar with, he does not kill people, and so it should be impactful that he has decided to not that he has decided to kill this person. But the only reason that that would be impactful is that you take it from outside Superman stuff where you go, wait, Superman doesn't kill people. This Superman that we have seen in this movie does not have any reason that we're aware of to be like, no, I don't kill anyone ever. It would make perfect sense if this Superman was was perfectly fine with murdering Zod. Well, and it also, I feel like, in order for it to be impactful, it needs to feel like a choice that he's making. Yeah. Because in mm. this situation, it feels like he doesn't have a choice, right? Even Where though he could just like fly up. He could fly him up. He could put his hand in front of his eyes and yeah. play peekaboo a little bit. A dozen other things, yeah. Right. But r- despite that, it feels like, oh, the options are kill Zod or those people get zapped in half, right? right? So that, that means that there isn't an option. It needs to be something where there's an option and super in order for this to feel to have the weight that the movie's trying to tell us that it does. Yeah. It needs to be like imagine imagine if they had flown out to like the wheat fields in Kansas mm-hmm. and there is where Zod made his like made his his grand villain speech about how like I'll never stop coming for the people you love and I will burn every single one of them in front of your eyes with my right. newly found eye laser, zap, 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 whatever. And at that point, 
in the wheat field away from folks where Zod could be immediately, oh, look, I've got Ma Kent hung up by her scruff and I'm going to zap her, right? right? It's nothing like that. It's just there. Mm-hmm. Superman decides, I have to stop him. And there's where he makes his decision that, to that kill is, Zod. That would be a, a interesting way to do it. The way that I think that would make the most sense for this movie is for this fight to be continually escalating. And Superman is not so much fighting Zod as he's trying to stop Zod from killing anyone accidentally. Because Zod's just trying to beat the shit out of Superman. Mm-hmm. Superman is trying to keep their the 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 their fight from spreading out he and killing be. people. He yeah, doesn't he in this. No, movie. yeah, that's what I mean. Is like that in in the ideal version of this story that they've told here. This fight should be continually escalating until you realize that Superman realizes that he has no choice but to actually use his full strength, which you could call back to that scene with the boys of like they can't hurt me at all. Zod can't hurt him at all. He just got here. He doesn't have Superman level powers, but Superman does. Oh, and this is the time where he decides to punch and back. And that's when he decides he like full on takes a like real punch and like takes the dude's head off essentially like you could make that work he does like the like the the punch through the stomach <laughs> yes yeah, something literally yeah. anything there's so many ways you could make this work where this scene where he's in the in the fucking subway just is dumb it and, and not only sense. that but like three people who refuse to run away does not feel like high stakes it, they definitely could get away from the situation that they're in like you could just like limbo under and the also thing. it's three like not to put a you know a value on human life right but in the grand scheme of things, with the city that they've demolished, yeah. it's three people. Yeah. yeah. So the one thing that really bugged me, uh, this is going to sound like a bit of a tangent, but when we keep getting all these flashbacks of Pa Kent teaching uh, Clark, like, you you can't go out and help people, don't worry about the, the bus of uh, children, don't go out into the tornado, he keeps saying this because he wants to protect him, and he doesn't want him to be exposed. Right. At no point is he ever concerned about Clark actually hurting somebody with his powers. I think that he knows that Clark wouldn't. Right. But I want to see that interaction at one point, like when the bullies are uh, like having COVID yeah, and could, everything. you could have a lot of depth yeah. with that. That would yeah. be really fun- and fascinating. The reason why I want to say that is because in your scenario where he's fighting a slightly weaker Zod who mm-hmm. keeps escalating the stakes and yeah. uh, potentially hurting more and yeah, more people, yeah. is that in this scenario, uh, Superman, he has his... Uh, uh, Kent Father's teachings of you know you don't hurt somebody who's uh, right. weaker than you. You don't punch down. You always punch up. Right. And he's uh, got this conflict because at this time Zod is weaker than him. Yeah, like yeah. he is. He is absolutely the superior person here. But he, in order to protect other people, which is yeah. what he's always been he yearning to, to do, decision. he has to make that choice. Yeah. And at that point, he is not only conflicted about whether or not to use his powers to save people, but also whether or not to use some, his powers <clears throat> to hurt somebody. And right. When, We've not actually seen any indication that he wouldn't hurt somebody. That's that's in the this conflict movie. of character that we need for yeah. this. Like because in the way that it's portrayed, there's no reason not to murder Zod. Yeah. Like that's not that's not this Superman. That's not this Clark. Zod is actively trying to destroy the entire planet and he is literally a threat on the level of the entire planet. Like, if if Superman's not there, the entire planet loses. Whether Zod has his world engine or not, he Mm. can destroy literally every single individual on the face of the planet. And and because the whole, like, him crying after killing Zod, right? Yeah. That only feels like a, 
oh my gosh, I just killed the last person of my race, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is valid because they've built up the fact that him sure. finding out where he comes from yeah. is important. That's to the him. only way right. I ever took it. Only way. Yeah. But if it's like if it's if it was going to be like you said, where it's like, oh, he's got this code where he doesn't kill people, we would need something earlier in the movie where someone that a lot of folks would be like, oh yeah, he deserves to die. And that's, Superman stops them, but doesn't deal out that punishment. And that's that's what they're actually aiming at is the fact that Superman never kills anyone. Like that's 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 just plain fact. Like that's sure. what Zack Snyder wanted to take aim at in, sure, this, in but with this thing. That like, needs to be set what up would beforehand. It, what would it take? What would what would happen if Superman did kill someone? What would it take to get him to that point? Yeah, like but what, where did he build that up in this movie? He didn't. That's yeah. the thing. Is that again? And, that, and Zack that's, Snyder and that's my doesn't problem. understand what he's doing. That's my problem. Is that all of the all of the like potential is is all theoretical? Mm-hmm. Like because and because I. Th- I feel like you've tried to bring up a lot of great points of where the story could have gone, but yeah. none of that was included in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to go ahead and get started on my final thoughts. Okay. But all of, all of that, like, oh, here's what could have been done, and here's what they were trying to go with the story, yeah. none of that is what was oh, conveyed yeah. in this film. I do want to say, I'm not defending this movie. I'm explaining the idea from a storytelling perspective to show how badly they fucked up. Right. And it really is a bad fuck up. Like yeah. this is this is a terrible. It's a terrible story mm-hmm. on one hand. Now, terrible stories can still make entertaining movies. Yeah, absolutely. Like that that is a thing that can happen. It's a thing that I enjoy personally. Mm-hmm. Like I really like bad movies when they're when they're the right oh, kind yeah. of bad. Oh yeah, sure. Damn the T Rex. But this movie. Fuck you. <laughs> but this movie is also not fun to watch because while it's got a terrible story, it also is just visually dull and boring. Um, it, it, the color, the color palette in this movie stands out enormously because of how lacking it is. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's all brown and gray. It feels like it's all that one style of photograph that like your teenage sister's friend in high school, like stylized as they, when they first got their DSL camera, <laughs> trying to learn to be a photographer. You know what I mean? Where it's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to turn the contrast up and I'm going to turn the saturation way down low. And it's got a really low aperture so that only like this one inch space is in focus. And that makes it deep. And look, there's, <laughs> there's out of focus raindrops in the background and I'm a photographer now. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the whole feeling. But then of you this actually movie. look at the picture and it's just like, that's just a, that's just a plastic bag. Why are you? <laughs> and, and, and it's not bag. even like a good picture of a plastic bag. That's yeah. just like a shitty picture of a shitty object with a, with a sepia tone on it. <laughs> and you know what? That's what this movie is. It's a shitty picture of a shitty story. <laughs> um, <laughs> There were, if I had to pick a favorite scene, it would be that moment that uh, Superman, like, musters up his strength to go stop the World Ender, yeah. the terraformer machine. Just because, like, I like the way that it's shot. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it feels it, hopeful the way that a Superman does. character should. And this feels like a scene where the color choices could have worked. If the rest of, if the if the majority of the movie had been not even, like, super colorful, but just, like, normal colorful. Right. And then once the terraforming started, that's when things got gray and gloomy. And then we got this shot of Superman flying up and you see the streak of red in his cape going up as he's flying up towards this thing. Like that would have been awesome. Yeah. And so I liked this shot and it did give me goosebumps. My least favorite part of the movie, the whole thing sucks, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm, I'm going to say the color palette just because good story bad story your movie should at least still be nice to look at yeah uh, and this yeah. movie is bad to look at 
Um, so I'm going to give it one out of five um, lost sense of morality. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Andreas. Uh, so let me see here. My favorite part of this movie is Superman because Henry Cavill is great. He's well cast in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've not seen a lot of Superman media, but he's my favorite Superman. I Again, I'm speaking sure. with like zero experience sure. here. But yeah, yeah I, I very much enjoyed him. And it's an interesting contrast seeing him play Superman and then playing Garrett of Rivia. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. I love that. And, and you know what's a shame, too, is that like in interviews with Henry Cavill, mm-hmm. he seems like such a nice guy yeah. that I feel he like- He rejects Superman energy. He does. <laughs> and I feel like if they just let Henry Cavill be more Henry Cavill in this movie- You mean like the moments been... when he can smile in Justice League? Yeah. Right? He would have been a better Superman instead of yeah. like the gloomy emo kid. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, my least favorite thing is also Superman because- <laughs> Yeah, I don't really get a good sense of his character. Yeah, uh, and the p- the moment in particular that I'm going to call out is as we're talking about with the uh, the the killing of uh, Zod. This is the first time in probably close to an hour of movie at this point that we have seen Superman give a shit about a person around him because mm-hmm. throughout most of the preceding fight scenes. Uh, with the exception of, I think, two people that he saves, he does not try to save a single person that in the entire warfare that's going around. Doesn't seem to be concerned about it whatsoever. With his whole fight with Zod, yeah. Doesn't seem to show any remorse for his actions. And as you were saying uh, a minute ago, uh, Rick, it would make so much more dramatic sense of um, interest and like mm-hmm. really show the character if he's actively trying to save people while Zod's tearing everything apart. Right. We get none of that, and instead, I get the sense that he loses sight of uh, the little people as soon as he gets engaged with something, Yeah. and that doesn't feel like Superman to me. No. So the fact that he suddenly cares at the very end when he can actually see the people in front of him right. and see them cowering, that really irritated me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I didn't hate this movie. It. I'm not going to watch it again, most likely. But it didn't really irk me, probably because I'm not a huge Superman fan. But even as a film by itself, it's it's not great. It's not a horrific abomination. There were problems with it, but I don't. I'm not upset as it, at its existence. So I'm going to give this a uh, two and a half baby wieners out of five. Oh gosh. <laughs> They show they show baby show Superman's twice. baby dick three or four times in the movie. It's I counted at least twice. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Also, we didn't even talk about how freaking bloated this movie is. It's it is... like two and a half. Oh hours god, long. this movie is way too long. Yeah, it definitely two and is. Two and a half hours. Ugh. It does not use its time well. I think you could tell. Anyway, get rid my, of the whole Krypton bit. My favorite thing about this movie is Henry Cavill. I think mm-hmm. that Henry Cavill. He he has the appearance down to a to like it's just perfect. Like yeah. you could not, I cannot imagine a more perfect looking. He looks even more like uh, Superman at the very end of the movie when he was Clark Kent with the glasses. Uh-huh. On. I was like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Clark Kent right uh-huh. there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the thing of it is, is that that is incredibly frustrating to me as my favorite part of the movie because what we've talked about of like this character is not Superman. Mm. This this director does not understand Superman. And there's a particular moment in this movie that 
is absolutely emblematic of it, and we haven't talked about it at all yet because it's a, it's a it's a minor moment at the beginning of the movie that really doesn't need to be there. But so Clark is for some goddamn reason working in this fucking dive bar out in the middle of nowhere, mm. um, and mm. this roughneck oh, jackass yeah. who is like a foot and a half shorter than Henry Cavill and like a foot and a half sh- like thinner because Henry Cavill in is like it, in this every gigantic yeah, yeah this gigantic dude this this little Rick, this Rick little, it would be like you're at a bar and you're like hey. Fuck you, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna throw a beer can at your head. Exactly. What are you gonna do about this, it? This jackass who is picking a fight with this guy who's like j- just towers over him mm-hmm. and like pours a beer on his head and like throws a beer bottle or beer can at him afterwards. And the thing of it is, is that in character, Superman would not give a shit about this. He understands how petty and dumb this is and how low these stakes <laughs> are. But you get this sense that this Clark Kent is just like, why the fuck am I putting up with this? Why I could just crush this guy's head. And you get this sense that he kind of wants to. Especially with could, his reaction later. And yeah. you could, well, I'm getting there. And you could have that be an interesting version of Superman. Someone yeah. who does struggle to be as good as he can be. Let him learn from it or something. But Make a minor mistake. Exactly. But not but that's, this one. But that's not what this character is. Like, yeah. There's no sense that this is a version of Superman who is struggling to live up to the ideals of who he knows he can be because we haven't gotten that from Pa Kent, we haven't mm. gotten that from Jor-El, and we aren't getting it from him. So you've got all of that situation, and so when this when this thing happens, a normal portray, a good portrayal of Clark Kent would understand that the character is incredibly humble because. Superman could easily take over the entire planet. He oh, yeah. does that in so many different versions of evil Superman. It's just a thing he could casually mm-hmm. do if he decided to one day, but he doesn't because that's not who he is because he is a humble person. So getting a beer poured on him and getting a can thrown at the back of his head should not even register to him. But instead, it, ru- it he's clearly like, pissed the like fuck off. Normal, super, normal Clark Kent at mm-hmm. that point would probably go and like, he Give would, the guy a replacement beer. Exactly. Yeah. He would laugh it off at most. Like mm-hmm. it would not be a big deal. But this jackass, he like goes outside and this guy is a the guy that has been fucking with him is a truck driver. And he's Superman. A, he's a logger. Yeah. Superman takes his truck and like spears it between a whole bunch of like, like power utility, poles, utility yeah. poles and like has it crushed up in the air, hanging from all of this. And it like that, that what the, the thing that that tells us about this Superman is how fucking petty he is. Petty, and he and, gets his revenge. And that is not portrayed in the rest of this movie. And so that alone, and the fact that it is completely disconnected from the rest of the movie and from the character that they're, they're, I guess, playing with at this point, tells you how little Zack Snyder understands Superman as a character in particular, or how to tell a story as well. And Cause so, because because that's the point. Like at that point, Superman's an adult, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there, yeah. and and this is. This is, you could play it as like, oh, he's he's you know, oh, later on he learns to like better control his temper and he learns that humility. You could play that it in needed. literally any anyway, other way, but it's just there it, and then not referenced again. And exactly. so now this is just a part of his character that never gets addressed. Exactly, he is. It is a fundamental betrayal of Superman as a character, and then not used in any interesting way. And that is, to me, the largest problem with this movie as a whole. This movie takes the most iconic super superhero character ever, the symbol of everything that America, when America is good, stands for. Everything that we could be, everything that we could we could become, all of it, and says, "Eh, fuck it, I don't care," <laughs> and and makes it boring. Like, that is a fucking tragedy. 
anytime you take that something that could inspire people to the degree that Superman as a character has and just make it a petty, shitty asshole that no one even notices was petty and shitty. It feels like it feels more like different versions of the Green Lantern that we've had. Yeah. Right? Except Green Lantern, no one gives a shit if he's a dickhead because sometimes he just isn't a villain for like two decades of the comics. Sure. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, this movie is its really bad. It's really bad. And I'm sad to come back to it and find that out because my memory of it was that it was good. And my memory is that because there are things here that could work, that could be good, and mm-hmm. a less story focused version of me a couple like 10 years ago thought that like saw that and was like okay i like these pieces of it and i ignored the the larger context of the story and the, the absolute failure that those uh those moments added up to the most annoying thing about that i find is that it wouldn't take a whole lot to make this a way better movie no it does not take a whole lot you just need to understand who superman is as a character and decide to do something with that i don't even mind if you decide to do a grittier uglier batman or superman you could make that work but they don't want to do that they just want to take their action figures and smash them together and now this is the most iconic portrayal of superman that is currently in anyone's minds except maybe the cartoons cuz the cartoons are still great but, yeah, anyway, uh, end of the day, I'm going to give this half a 9-11. It's a, it's a 4.5-11. Well, you know what? If you want to listen more to uh, a bunch of guys uh, really wrestling to try and figure out who they are. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's what this podcast is. Go find you just don't podcast. understand me. You just don't. You just I don't mean, get he us. He did make us watch cats. I don't understand that. <laughs> You're the villain. You're the villain, Andreas. Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna listen to more of our episodes, you can find those on our website, opinionatedpodcast.com. Additionally, we're on social media at opinioncast on Twitter and opinionated podcast on Facebook. Feel free to reach out to our email address, opinionatedmoviereviews at gmail.com. Uh, and if you get a chance, please leave us a rating on iTunes. Between that and you sharing us with your friends, it's the best way we have of getting out to new listeners. We always appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, we're opinionated. Anyone who ascribes to the cube theory of food is just high on their own bullshit. Like, that is, it's such an utter load of nonsense. <laughs> so is the entire fucking argument. But at least like this, this is trying to ascribe some sense in uh, It's logic not trying to ascribe sense. It's trying yeah. to ascribe geometry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like this. This is kind of working for me. <laughs> no. No. An apple pie is not a calzone. <laughs> it's not. Calzones are in the uh, the very last thing. Yeah, and what oh, would wait, an no. apple pie no, be? No, pies are there. What's this saying up here? <laughs> no, a slice of pie is a taco. I hate, <laughs> I hate you all. I hate you all. A slice of pie is clearly a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's clearly soup. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, this whole thing again. Nah, because, I mean, the whole reason I brought up the whole sandwich thing, mm-hmm. not, and, I mean, I forget what our con- the context for the conversation on the podcast was, but, like, the reason that they're like describing what it is is for stuff like oh you know when people ask can you do you really call like a, a tuna melt right a sandwich and it's like mm. well sure it's an open face sandwich right and so they sure. they just talk about the things that are necessary like oh Wait. when we talk about sandwiches we're talking about the bread 
some sort of sauce, the filling, and then maybe some little like additions, you know, like, oh, you have some pickles or you have sure. some like, right. oh, we chopped up some garnish. parsley, some garnish. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Why would a tuna melt sandwich not be a sandwich? Because often tuna melts are open faced. Okay. So just where it's like, oh, it's a piece of bread and then maybe some mayo and then tuna and then cheese. And then you stick it under a broiler without the top bread so that the cheese kind of like gets all toasty and melty and crackly on top of the tuna. Gotcha. And then no no topping cheese. Exactly. Exactly. Or folks being, you know, like, oh, like you can have some little bruschetta kind of thing. I think that just makes it toast. Makes what toast? An open face sandwich. It's just toast. They're not necessarily always uh, <laughs> toasted, though. But no, it sounds like an open. Uh, I'm going off the cube rule. <laughs> ah, it sounds to me that pizza could be uh, considered an open face sandwich. Yes, yes, pizza could easily be considered an open face. This sandwich. is like the, with that argument Ethan started on our Twitter of like what is considered a hole. Spoons don't have holes, <laughs> and neither does a cup or a hat or whatever the bullshit. All right, so Andreas. Yes. How many holes does a straw have? One. There's a single hole going through the straw. Debatable. <laughs> no, there are two okay. entrances okay. to that right. hole. Do you have a piece of paper? So, there is one hole. <laughs> oh, I just I just want to point this out. Okay, so theoretically, if a it depends straw on if has, I stab a second hole into the if straw, if a straw has two holes because one that's hole. the two ends, I, I'm not I'm not debating your your side of the argument. I'm just making the case for the potential of a spoon having a hole. So okay. if if the 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 hole is the circumference end where the 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 entrance to the straw so right and there's the other entrance to the straw on the other hand that's why it would potentially have two holes right for the sake of the argument I'll follow along okay so if that's the case if it has two holes then a spoon also has that same thing of a there is an indention where the where the one thing would and a lip for the hole so that hole exists the same way that like if you went outside and you dug a hole. It is just a a outer lip of the the surface that is having an indention in it. Okay. So by first, that idea, <laughs> spoons have holes. <laughs> first, I, we have to define the difference between a hole in the ground, which is a scoop taken out, sure. and a hole that goes all the way through something. Sure, that's fair. That's so, the question. Is if the hole goes all the way through something, then it's it a ha- hole. If it has two holes, no, it doesn't have two holes. If there's if, one hole going that, through okay. the if, thing, we are making if, a, we are making an assumption theori- here for the sake of the argument. It is a, it's a theori- stupid assumption that's <laughs> wrong. It's a wrong assumption. It can be wrong, but it can still prove something. In Assume this, uh, a spherical concept. cow is essentially okay. what's happening here. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, that that uh, Dasani bottle. If you take the cap off of it, does it have a hole? No, because there's not an exit. So the something nothing can pass through this Dasani bottle. Pass all the way through the thing without stopping. Yes, and I mean, like, oh, if there's water in it and it's frozen, oh, if I cut a hole in the bottom but it's full of ice, like, oh, something can't pass through because the ice inside. Well, no, like, if the ice melted, like, yeah, there's a hole that can go all the way through it, right? See, I think that the opening to that Dasani bottle is clearly a hole. Oh, look, I'm cupping my hand. I've got a hole in my hand That's now. sort of the argument That's now. not how this works. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think there needs to be a definition between a hole that goes all the way through something and a divot taken out of something. That is a divot in the Dasani bottle. It contains something, but... That cannot escape unless Rick, you turn it Rick, upside down. You're arguing this point proves you've got a divot you, in your head. Can you then dig a hole in the ground? Because if you I went outside and got, you if can I dig, got, it's called a pit. It, it's a, a pit. You can dig a pit, there but it go. would also pit. be called a hole. Like if I if I went outside and I and I got a shovel and I got it's some dirt out of the ground dumb. and I pointed at it and said, "Hey, that's a hole." People would know exactly what I'm talking about and assume, "Oh, I'm talking about the hole in the ground." Okay, they would not I need can, to to penetrate the entire 
planet. I'm going to penetrate your ass with my foot in a minute. <laughs> All right. If I point at you and say, Jonathan, do you know who I'm talking about, Josh? Yeah, because you're pointing at Rick. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you're pointing I'm at Jonathan. I'm clearly referencing something okay. that you know, okay. even if I'm using the wrong name. Yes. But yeah. why would the why would a hole in the ground need to 